Long ago in Persia, there lived a, a very good and a very wise king. And this very good and very wise king wanted to know how his people lived. He, he wanted to understand uh, their hardships and their suffering. So often he, he would dress himself in the clothes of a working man or even a beggar. And he went to the home and homes of the poor in his land. No one whom he visited during that period of time ever suspected that he, in fact, was their leader, their ruler, their king. One time he visited a very poor man, and this man lived in the cellar, in a cellar, in, in a very dark cellar. And, and this king would eat what this uh, poor man ate, the, the, the moldy bread, the, the stale food. He, he dressed in clothes that made him appear just like this man who lived in this dark cellar. He spoke cheerful and kind and encouraging words to this old man. Then he left. Later he would visit the man again, and finally one day he, he disclosed, after many times of visiting this man, he disclosed his identity. He said, sir, I'm your king. I am your king. And the king at that moment thought that the man would surely ask for something, some kind of gift, some kind of favor, something that the king could, could grant to this man. Instead, the man said this, you left your palace and your glory to visit me in this dark, dreary place. You ate the coarse, stale, moldy food that I ate. You dressed like me. You brought gladness to my heart. To others, you great, gave great gifts and riches. To me, the old man said, you have given me yourself. You have given me yourself. Today is the first Sunday in the Advent season. Advent is a, a a ceremony, if you will, a season where we who call ourselves Christ followers, uh, we, we celebrate the, the fact that God came to this earth. God came to be with us. In fact, the word Advent means coming. And during the Christmas season, we celebrate the expectation that the world had that God would do something to resolve the problem of our sin. And so during the Advent season, during every Christmas season, we who call ourselves Christ followers, uh, we, we celebrate the expectation of the coming of God to this earth. We celebrate the fact that God himself said to us, I want to give you a piece of myself. I want to become like you. I want to identify with you. That's what we celebrate when we celebrate Advent, the coming of God to earth. And in our churches and in our uh, Christianity, in our following God, I, I sometimes think about and surmise the fact that uh, when we study about God, that we, we are um, kind of taken with his divinity. We're taken with his power. We're mesmerized at God Almighty and, and, and who he is and what he has done. And that's a good thing, isn't it? It's a good thing to focus on the goodness of God. I mean, the Bible 
says that God is, is an amazing person, that he's an amazing being, that he's omniscient, meaning all-knowing, that he's self-existent, meaning that he always was, that he is omnipotent, meaning that he's all-powerful, that he's self-sufficient, meaning he's not dependent on anything or anyone, that he's immutable, immutable meaning that he never changes, that he's sovereign, meaning that he rules over all things. But the Bible also speaks of the fact that God is omnipresent, meaning that God is always there. And it's that place that I want us this Christmas in 2014, this Advent season, just to pause and to focus these next four weeks on. Because God made the decision, don't miss this, God made the decision to come out of his glory, to come out of his perfect a perfection that he had created to, to, to break the, the, the chain and the barrier of, of heaven and to be with us. Our God decided that in his power and in all of his glory that the best way to resolve our issue of a disconnect with him was to take on flesh and bone and be Emmanuel, God with us. I hope you had an awesome Thanksgiving. For those of you I don't know, my name's Todd. I'm the lead pastor, and I'm so glad that you're here today. Um, and believe it or not, I know it's November 30th. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas already, okay? So just get that out of the way. Merry Christmas. I'm really glad that you're here. My prayer and my hope is, is that during this series, as we focus on the humanity of God, that we can find a, a God that we can identify with, uh, with because he wanted to identify with us. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at just that. The incarnation of God. That word that we just sang about means that he put on flesh and bone, that he became man. And I realize that even if you've been a Christ follower for many, many years, it's hard for us to comprehend that God would do this. Am I right? Like it's hard to comprehend that he would put on flesh and bone and become this when he had perfection. But I think in that, we can understand what God was doing better, and we can understand maybe at a more personal, um, deeper level what he was doing personally for each one of us. And so over the course of these next few weeks, we're going to consider that. We're going to consider why is it important that God became hum human? Why did he become incarnate? We're going to explore many of the, the, the ways that that name, Emmanuel, and we'll get to that name in a moment, changed the course of human history and redefine this God-man relationship, this God-man narrative forever as we consider what Emmanuel means to us as humankind, to us as humanity, but also to each one of us personally. And throughout this series, we're going to consider examples of God becoming human flesh. We're going to consider how God did that, and we're going to talk about the personal implication of God with us in our rejection, and in our temptation, and in our service, and in our desperation. But today, I want to focus on this name, this wonderful, precious name, Emmanuel, that we've just sung about, that we've just spoken of. And I want us to understand from a foundational standpoint what this name means. 
And today is going to be a, a message that I, I typically um, don't love these kind of messages. It, it's going to be a lot of information, but it's a foundational building block for what we're going to do over these next four weeks. But I don't want you today to think of this just as information. Because information about God, information about that one that we just talked about, that powerful one, that all-knowing God, that one that is completely self-sufficient, that one that was the creator of all things. Information about God is not just information. It can be practically applied to each one of our lives. So even in today, even as we study what God's word says about this precious name, Emmanuel, my prayer for you today is that you would be able to see that and begin to apply what it means that God became human flesh to you and to your life. When you walked in today, you received notes. I'm going to have you take those out this morning. Uh, for those of you who have downloaded our app, and I want to encourage you to do that, uh, you can access the notes there. You can access them online. Uh, we're going to be going right through today, uh, finding out what this name means, what this name Emmanuel means, and what kind of context, what kind of application it has for you and for me. And I want to start right there in the beginning, point number one. What does the name Emmanuel mean? What does the name Emmanuel mean? Well, to find that out, we have to look to Scripture. We have to look to the Bible. And there are only two instances that this name for Jesus or for God is mentioned in, in Scripture. There's only two instances. There's one in Isaiah and one in Matthew, and they are linked together. They're inextricably linked together. They can't be taken apart. They, they, they go hand in hand. We're going to take a look at both of these references to God being Emmanuel, Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us. What did it mean? And to do that, we have to have a little bit of context to understand this one little short verse in Isaiah that set the stage for everything that was going to happen over the course of human history. This is so important. It's so vital to understand these next two verses and the next two applications of these verses. Isaiah the prophet is speaking. In this case, he, he spoke on behalf of God to many different kings and leaders of Judah and the nation of Israel. This was God's people, the Jewish people, the Hebrew people that were in a divided kingdom, Judah to the north, Israel to the south. And in this particular instance, Isaiah is speaking to a king by the name of Ahaz. Okay, not Ahab. Ahaz. This is Ahaz. And he was the king of the northern kingdom of Judah. And he describes in Isaiah chapter 7, you ought to read it sometime, uh, maybe in your own personal time. He describes how the, the kingdom of Judah was worried to death because they, they had a, a group of people, the Syrian people, that um, were, were preparing to wage war against them. And, and to make matters worse, um, one of their cousins, the tribe of Ephraim, um, kind of joined in with Syria, and, and they kind of joined forces. And so this would have been like, I, I don't know, a, a, an extraordinarily small country like maybe Jamaica waging a war, or having China or the United States of America wage war against them, except that like they had their cousin join in against them. And so you can get the context here that this uh, nation of Judah was incredibly terrified of these people that were preparing to wage war against them. 
And the king of this nation, Ahaz, uh, was concerned about this. He was very concerned about this. In fact, if you read Isaiah chapter 7, you'll find out that they were shaking. They were literally shaking. Have you ever been terrified to the point of your hands were shaking? And I love it because God uh, reassures them through the prophet Isaiah. And you know when he calls both of these countries, Ephraim and Syria, that were preparing to wage war against Judah? He calls them smoldering stumps. Isn't that awesome? He's like, don't worry about them. They're smoldering stumps. And then he goes on to, to begin to prepare for the story of the ultimate salvation of all of humanity and, and God redeeming mankind. And in verse 14 of Isaiah chapter 7, the prophet Isaiah says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel, that's the first time that we see that word. We find out the meaning of that word in the original language was literally God with us. God with us. We see that prophecy fulfilled then in the Gospels when Mary, the Virgin Mary, uh, produced a, a child by the name of Jesus who was Emmanuel, God with us. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. That's the only two times that we see this name mentioned in Scripture. But don't miss this. Don't miss this. Wherever you are in your, your journey with God, don't miss the importance of this name. Don't miss the strong, in-depth meaning of this name. God, the all-powerful one, decided to become human, and his name was God with us. That's literally what it means. It's kind of this sub-point under point number one. Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. I, I want you to focus uh, just for a moment. It it's interesting because in the original language, in, in the Greek there in, in, in Matthew, um, the original language there, it's kind of interesting because uh, there's no word there for with. When, when the, the writer, Matthew, was, was penning this, he, he just said God, and the impression was, and the depth and the heaviness of Theos, God, literally meant that God was with us. He didn't need that preposition, preposition or preposition, whatever you want to call it, with. They say I make up words. I just made up one there, preposition. You can use that this week. God with us. We, in our English language, had to come up with the word with to describe the, the depth to which Matthew was, was telling us this was going to be Jesus' name. And I want you to think about that preposition for a moment. We, we kind of uh, don't give that preposition um, much credence, do we? We say it all the time. It, it's, it's a word that kind of is, uh, I guess, benign. Uh, you know, it's, um, I, I cut my Thanksgiving turkey with a knife. Meaningless, right? I cut my Thanksgiving turkey with a knife. I, I saw a person this week with a blue jacket, benign. Meaningless, right? I saw a person wearing a blue jacket. I could have said it other ways. It's just a preposition. It's meaningless. Uh, I was disappointed yesterday with the Bulldogs performance against Georgia Tech. There you go. I just said that out loud. Okay, that's fine. I had to say it. I had to say it. It's dumb. But it's benign, right? 
with. It's a benign word, except when you use it to associate with someone. Think about this. I want to go with you on your journey. I want to be with you when you're going through that trial and tribulation. I am with you. Do you see how it changes that one little word, that small preposition that's benign and meaningless carries with it this personal, intimate thing that God wanted to be with us. Insert the word you or insert the word me when you're describing it. It's a manual. God with me. God with you. He wanted to be close. He wanted to be personal. He wanted that preposition, that meaning of the word theos, God, to mean everything. And in an instant, in one little prophecy, and one little fulfillment of that prophecy, everything changed. And because of that, God is not this kind of ruler on high. We'll get to that in a moment. He's a personal, intimate God that desires to have intimacy with us. The second point under point number one is Emmanuel with an I is the Hebrew translation. And Emmanuel with, with an E is the Greek or the Roman translation. But they both mean the same thing. As we were singing that last song, you saw on the screens E. We're going to be using I in our notes just for the purpose of consistency. It doesn't matter. They both mean the same thing. They're the exact same words. It's when the translation gets translated. One is translated, the Hebrew is translated with an I. The Greek is translated into English with an E. But the point is, is that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the one who came to save. He was God putting on flesh and bone to be with us. Some people ask the question, why wasn't he called Emmanuel? Why was he called Jesus? Well, Jesus was his given name, but Emmanuel was who he was, among many other things, right? Emmanuel was who he was. It was a, a title, if you will. It was a characteristic. God became flesh and dwelt among us. He became one of us. So in one sense, Emmanuel is much more than just a name. It's a description, an attribute, a title, if you will, of what God did. But God had presented himself prior to Jesus coming to humanity. He had presented himself to humanity. Point number two, did God appear to humanity before Jesus? Well, we see many examples of what's called a theophany, uh, in, in Scripture, there are two different uh, types of, of God's presence being made known to man. There's a theophany, theo, or the, the word for God in, a, in the Greek, theophany, is a presence of God being made known to man. Not in human form necessarily, but in some kind of form. And then you have a Christophany, a picture of Christ being present to man. That's a whole subject for another day. But God physically appeared to different people. We're going to take a look at just two examples of that. The first one is uh, one that's very familiar. Both of them are very familiar. The first one is that God physically appeared to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. You remember that? Genesis 3, verse 8. He physically appeared to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And here's what it says. That, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool, in the cool of the day in the garden and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden um, you remember being a, a child and you did something wrong and you go and hide but Adam and Eve did 
because the presence of God was there. He was God with them. He was God with them. A second example, maybe a more familiar example, is God appeared to Moses as a burning bush that was never consumed. Take a look at Exodus 3, 1 through 6. You've got to love this. This is going to be reminiscent of an old movie. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. Ever seen that before? I haven't. We had a fire all week in our house, uh, in, in the fireplace, by the way. Uh, we had a fire all week in the fireplace this week, and, and it consumed the wood. Some very wet wood after the rain we had, but it, it finally consumed. This bush didn't consume, and Moses, in verse 3, he said, I, I will turn aside to see this great sight why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw, there it is, the Lord saw that he turned aside to see. God called out to him of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. We see many examples of, of God appearing to humanity in the Old Testament. It happened fairly often. Those are two of the most well-known ones. Uh, he, he took different forms to appear to God. In fact, the book of Exodus says that um, for man to look on the face of God, he will surely die. So God never took the full presence of God to appear to mankind. He appeared as something else. But we have an example. We kind of have a, a track record of the fact that God, from the beginning of time, wanted to be with mankind. There was this consistency of God being with mankind. But the incarnation of Christ, the humanity of God, was so different. Because for the first time, God actually became flesh and blood. And he lived on this earth for what would be 33 years. And he identified with our suffering. He identified with our failures. He understood what we go through. Take a look at point number three. Why in the world was it important? Why was it important that God was Emmanuel with us? Or Emmanuel, God with us. Why is it important that God chose to be with us? If you understand this point. This is like the centerpiece of all of, 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 our, of our faith. This is the crux. This is kind of the tipping point of everything that we believe. So if you're here today and you're a Christ follower and maybe you've had a hard time understanding this God-man narrative, if you understand this that we're about ready to talk about, it, it makes so much more sense. And if you're not here today, my prayer, if you're not a Christian, you're here today, you're not a Christ follower yet, my my prayer is, is that what we are about ready to read and what we're about ready to study will make a huge impact to you personally. Why was it important? What was the importance of God choosing to become a part of humanity through physical birth? Number one, God had to step down from his perfect world to be a part of our imperfect world in order to restore the relationship that was broken because of sin. God, I want to read that again. God had to step down 
from his perfect world to be a part of our imperfect world in order to restore the relationship that was broken because of sin. And the same prophet that we've already studied in, uh, in, in Isaiah in chapter 7, in chapter 59, um, he describes the problem with sin. Because that's the centerpiece of, of our faith, is our sin. Take a look at what Isaiah said here in verse uh, 1 and 2 of chapter 59. He said, Behold, the Lord's hand is, is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. Verse 2, please don't miss this. But your iniquities have made a, what's that next word? Separation. Separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. You see, church, it's our sin that caused this separation. That's the point of the whole story. That's the whole reason why God had to come as flesh and blood. I don't know about you. I don't like sin. Do you? I don't like sin. I don't like sin for a really bad reason. I don't like the fact that I'm sinful, that, I'm, that I have faults and failures, and that I mess up, and that sometimes I willingly choose to sin. I don't like it because I'm virtuous. I don't like it because I don't like to think I'm that bad. Are some of you with me this morning? Like, I don't want to think that I'm that bad. I'm just being honest with you in, you know, the last day of November. Like, we, we don't like to focus on our shortcomings and our failures as human beings. I, I certainly don't because um, we don't like the fact that we have sin. It causes a problem between us and God. It causes problems between us and those who we love the most, our friends, our family. It causes problems with us internally. It causes all of our problems, this thing of sin. I hate it. Not because of anything virtuous, because I don't like it. And God doesn't like it for a whole different reason. But he wanted to do something about it. And so he sent his son. He became flesh. He became one of us so that we could be forgiven. That's why he chose, that's why he chose to become a person. That's why he chose to become humanity. This unattributable quote sums up why God chose to do it this way. I love this. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need as humanity had been money, God would have sent us an economist. <laughs> that wouldn't have worked, huh? If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a Savior. He sent us a Savior. Second thing, when God did that, he experienced pain and weakness and suffering just like you and I do. When God did that, when God decided to break the, the veil, if you will, of, of heaven, the, the barrier between heaven and earth, and, and come down here as we celebrate at Christmas as a, as a baby, but to live as a, as a man, um, he experienced pain and weakness and suffering. He identified with your deepest, darkest, uh, worst, most challenging 
thing that you've ever been through. Look at what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. I love this. He says this. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Get this, verse 15. Don't miss this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. We're going to get to that specific thing in a few weeks, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. If you're here today and your view of God has always been this like puppet controlling person in the sky, he chose to become just like you so that he could identify with you. And now you can identify with him. This is why we call it a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. This is why we call it a personal walk with God, a journey with him. Our God identified with us. And therefore, God was not just God over us, but he was God with us. That's the third point. He then was God with us, not just God over us. When we consider the power of God and the, the, the mighty hand of God and the Holy One, we, we really can get lost in our divinity. And as we said earlier, that's not a bad thing. We need to celebrate those things. And the song that we sang at the beginning was celebrating just that, wasn't it? However, if we forget about the humanity of God, then our view of God and our relationship with God becomes impersonal. Are you with me? Like if all we do is focus on the divinity of God, how powerful he is, how mighty he is, and we don't focus on the fact that God became flesh and blood, then our relationship with him becomes impersonal. We take that little preposition with and we throw it out the door. It's just God and us. And Emmanuel says God is what? With us. We can go back to Philippians. We just studied through the book of Philippians. We can go back to Philippians to understand this a little bit better. From Philippians 2, 5 through 11, the writer Paul is actually um, giving a hymn here, giving a song where he's giving praise to God, and he talks about this. I love this. Verses 5 through 11. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. You see, it was God's humility, it was Jesus' humility that God propped up as holy and mighty. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God became flesh. God with us. Emmanuel, its meaning is so significant because he wanted and decided and did identify with us. I love C.S. Lewis. He wrote this in many of his different writings. I want to read this little short passage. I think this will help us understand what God did for us. He said this, lying at your feet is your dog. Imagine for the moment that your dog and every dog is in deep distress 
Some of us love dogs very much. If it would help all the dogs in the world to become like men, would you be willing to become a dog? Would you put down your human nature, leave your loved ones, your jobs, your hobbies, your art and literature and music and choose instead the intimate communion with your beloved, the poor substitute of looking into the beloved's face and wagging your tail, unable to smile or speak? Christ, C.S. Lewis writes, by becoming man, limited the thing which to him was the most precious thing in the world, his unhampered, unhindered communion with the Father. Seems like a very simple illustration. C.S. Lewis wasn't a simple man, though. I think it helps us understand what God did by choosing to be God with us. So what? What are the next steps? How do we pull this in the context of where we're going over these next few weeks? How do we pull this in the context of where you are right now, Christmas time, almost December 2014? Three things I want you to keep in mind over these next few weeks. Number one, I want you to identify some life experiences that might be similar to what Jesus experienced while he was on earth. Identify some life experiences that might be similar to what Jesus experienced while he was here on earth. Secondly, read through the book of Matthew to understand more about Jesus' life. I want to challenge you and encourage you, and I'm going to blog about this this week. Read through the book of Matthew this month of December and try to connect with Jesus' life. I think as you read, you'll find there are many things in his life that you can identify with in his humanity. And thirdly, ask God to help you understand what God with us means to you personally during the series. Not what it means to everyone else, not what it means to the rest of the world, but what does it mean to you how does it help you connect and identify with him? Martin Luther, the great Reformation leader, said that the mystery of the humanity of Christ, that he sunk himself in our flesh, is beyond all human understanding. I, I, I don't know if I agree with Luther. I mean, I guess it's kind of dangerous for me to say I disagree with Martin Luther, so I'm not going to say that, but... He says it's beyond all human understanding. I think what Luther is saying there is it's hard for us to understand that God would do this. But I want to I submit to you today as we close that I think that we can try as in our own humanity to understand why he did this. And I believe that God will, when we try to understand why he did this, I think he will reward us by meeting our expectation of him changing some things about us. And that's my prayer for us this Christmas season, that God with us will have a personal impact on myself, on you, on our church, on each one of us. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, today we come here in this place on this first day of the Advent season with anticipation expectation in our minds and in our hearts and God we celebrate each Christmas season the fact that you arrived that the divine one reached down to us and decided to live among us and we give you honor and we give you glory for that we thank you for that and God I pray that as we embark on this series of understanding what it means that you're with us Emmanuel God, I pray that you would help each one of us 
to have an expectation. God, to have an expectation that we would change internally as a result of better understanding that you came to this world and this earth in human form. God, I pray that you would allow us to have the expectation to treat each other differently as a result of knowing that you came to this earth. And God, that you would give us the expectation to change the way that we view our struggles, our temptations, our sin, our failures. God, our dreams, our goals, because we know that you identify with us. Thank you, God, for becoming incarnate. Thank you for putting on human flesh and bone. Thank you for identifying and understanding and giving of yourself so that we can understand you and identify with you. And God, we thank you that you who are mighty, you who are powerful, you who are all-knowing and all-loving and all-merciful and filled with all justice and is not dependent on everything, you are the sovereign one and you that are mighty did an amazing, wonderful, great thing by coming to this earth and becoming Emmanuel. Thank you.